0: into the net by Kylian Mbappé Oh Benyera, beautifully done Cornet finds Dembele The first touch is good, the second is deadly Neymar still Oh my word, what a goal Got lovely finish
1: Oh yes, delivery again, head header Here's an opportunity, Sanchez Outrageous goal from Gael Kakuta It's playing again And back Messi again This time maybe Messi's done it
2: as entertaining as a seven-goal thriller between Lille and Monaco, with all the class of a Roman Del Castillo assist for Brest versus Clermont, as controversial, perhaps, as a last-minute penalty for Nice, and as audacious as an Elie goal for Montpellier against Lyon, and above all, cheaper than Kylian Mbappe. Welcome to Le Beaujeu, the official Ligue 1 podcast, as we look back at a prolific, thrilling Intriguing and downright good fun round of league and football. Thirty-four goals scored, last-minute equalisers, last-second winners, five-away wins, goalkeeping blunders, spectacular goals. Une semaine pas comme les autres, quoi. I'm Robbie Thompson, your host, and I'm pleased to say that this week I'm joined by CBS Sports France correspondent Jonathan Johnson. JJ, how's it going?
3: Hey there, Robbie. Doing very well, thanks. Thanks for having me back on. Always look forward to these appearances
2: a good chance to talk French football. There's nothing like it. For the first time on Le Beaujeu, Jeremy Magon. Is it Magon? I didn't check how we say your surname. Is that right? Magon. Does that sound okay? Magon's the best way to say it. Hi, Robbie. Otherwise, I'm just going to go with Magan. <laughs> That's how we say it. Where <laughs> it, we might live. Sound, <laughs> it might sound like McCann. <laughs> so, Jeremy Magon, host of Casser les Lignes podcast, the French take for Breaking the Lines. Bienvenue, Jeremy. It's a pleasure to have you with us.
4: Merci. Great, great to be here. A, a real honor, and great to be with, with JJ and, and you, Robbie, uh, to talk about now, yeah, our passion, French football.
2: It would be remiss of me, as a former PSG employee, not to ask you, as a Marseille man, Jeremy, how are you feeling this morning after three losses on the trot. Now,
4: it's hard. It's uh, it's not a great, um, it's not a great moment for us, and it's not going to get any better with. With the games that are coming from Marseille, but uh, but look, we are playing better than what we've been playing in recent years. So even in, even in that loss against PSG last last week, there was some some positives. So we'll we'll try and focus on that until uh, until there's another loss, and and those fans think otherwise down at the Vélodrome.
2: PSG used to have a reputation that as soon as November hit and the temperature started dropping, that crisis would arrive in the French capital. Well, Marseille a jamais le premier have done that in October this year with those three defeats in a row. One thing we know is that people are watching and listening. There are record attendances in France this season, averaging 23,000 per game after 11 rounds, so before the weekend's round of matches, but they are spectacular figures. And we're going to start our wrap-up of the weekend's action on Friday night where PSG We're on the road to Ajaxio, and here's what happened, with commentator and Le Bourgeois regular, Angus Therode.
5: However, now they're coming up the other end, and a chance for Mbappé! First chance, and he strikes! And just like that, the air is sucked out of the Stade-Francois Coty. Christophe Galtier's man in front, with Kylian Mbappé's ninth goal of the campaign in Ligue 1 joining Neymar and Jonathan David at the top of the scoring charts. And Messi with another assist, leader in the assist charts. And there may not be Neymar tonight, but you still have the other two to rip you apart. Once more into Petrinha again, trying those short little passes, but this pitch has not been very conducive to them. A little bit bumpy. Messi, though, finds one that Gets it back. To the Argentine into Bappi. This is lovely! Surely the second goal! Oh, they pass their way through the defence, just as we thought that that wasn't possible. Literally passing it into the net, and the whole team comes to hug Lionel Messi, who equals his six-goal haul from the whole of last season. With a goal that started with Messi, continued with Messi, and then was finished off by Messi. Mbappe in there as well, look at that for a backheel. And a second assist of the season for Kylian Mbappe after setting up Neymar last week. He's done it for Messi this time. And Paris Saint-Germain finally double their lead. Moutinho keeps on running, comes into Mbappe. Mbappe shoots and scores! Three points in the bag. Tenth goal of the season for Mbappe. He tops the scorers now in Liga. Really shaped well there, did Mbappé, to create the space in between the defenders. Messi saw it, and it's a goal and an assist for both players now in this game. A little bit of a slip, which is why he had to take it, almost falling, but he still had the control, and Benjamin Loire beaten for the third time in the game.
2: So no Neymar, but an Mbappé brace taking his tally to 10 for the season, either side of a brilliant Messi goal. Messi with two assists, Mbappe with the assist for Messi. JJ, I'll start with you. It was a straightforward enough win in the end. Is that going to quieten down all the talk of an unhappy Kylian Mbappe now that he's got the smile back on his face with a couple of goals? And, and more to the point, are all these rumours smoke? And how much fire is there at the bottom of all that?
3: Uh, there's a lot to unpack there. I mean, first of all, uh, you know, it was a good performance from Mbappe um, and Messi. It's nice to see them dovetailing that way because a lot of the time we've seen, you know, how strong the understanding is between uh, Messi and Neymar. We don't always see sort of between Mbappe and Messi, but, you know, to see them performing that way. Okay. I know against, uh, you know, with all due respect to Ajax, who a relegation battler, but, uh, you know, that second PSG goal is still phenomenal. And to be honest, I think it is an underrated finish as well for Mbappe's uh, second and PSG's third. I I thought that was, you know, very good technique as well. Sort of in terms of of sort of what's been going on the last week or so, um, obviously, you know, I think a lot of what was said uh, really blindsided the club uh, just before that Champions League clash with Benfica. Uh, Obviously, to have Luis Campos come down and speak with the, the press ahead of the game, you know, that suggests that, you know, you know, it has... The club a little flustered um you know but i think since mbappe you know uh, publicly said after the marseille game uh you know there's no truth in those rumors i think that has died it down a little bit obviously i think there's going to be some flare-ups i know that les Parisiens have uh, broken down uh, sort of the, the the ins and outs and the nitty-gritty of uh, mbappe's contract extension with psg so i'm sure that's going to set some tongues wagging uh, over this next uh this next week or so but i think for the moment psg have ridden out that storm but as we've seen so far this season uh you know it's difficult to know what's uh, what what's around the corner because you can imagine that there's probably uh you know some other controversy that's uh, lurking uh, not too uh not too far from uh, from psg but uh you know i do think as well um you know they have an opportunity this midweek against Maccabi haifa to really stamp their ticket for the knockout phase of the Champions League and to take a bit of that pressure off because if they were to suddenly get a, a an unexpected result uh, against the Israelis and Juve's potential qualification for the knockout phase is still alive then perhaps there will be that November crisis after all.
2: Let's just there's a lot to unpack there JJ as well. Let's uh start with those figures then because you mentioned it the Parisian last night in France has uh broken down or exploded up. I don't think you can really break down these numbers. They're 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 far too big to be to be broken down. So basically they've said that when he signed his two plus one contract. So this is a contract for just two years plus an option for a third year. The option is entirely Killian's, according to Le Parisien. So he's the one that decides if he stays or if he goes he will be paid for each of those 3 years 72 million euros brute which is uh 6 million per month of which he will get in his pocket 2.7 now that also that so that means that every month he's paying 3.3 million in tax which is pretty spectacular i'm sure the french government and that's probably why emmanuel macron called and said please stay in france we we need this that do you know do you realize how many people's retirement payments, how many pension payments that equals every month. Um, there was also, and and I was thinking about this, it's also Paris Saint-Germain will have to be paying another 66% charges on top of that. So this env- this whole envelope is just monumental. But there was a 180 million euro signature gift, if you like. I don't know how we translate, prime, de, prime à la signature. Uh, signing uh, signing uh, on fee, a signing on fee, yes, yeah, signing, signing, yeah. signing bonus of 180 million, 60 million per year for three years to be paid on the I think it's the 30th of June or the 1st of June or something every year, and then a loyalty clause, which means at the end of each season, starting with the first one, because he stayed for the whole year, another 70 million. If he stays for the second, that will be 80 million, and if As he decides or not that he stays for a third, it will be 90 million. So this whole thing for just three years is 630 million euros of which Killian will probably put in his pocket about 300 million, I would imagine. So that's not bad for a 22 year old. It's just starting out in his uh, adult life. Um, it's, It's not bad. It's not bad. But back to the football, because... And having worked there as well, if you do just get fixated on these figures, it's almost impossible to do your job, to be around these guys, and even to go and watch football. So I honestly think it's best you forget about the money. It's not Kylian Mbappe that said, I'm not going to play unless you pay me this much. It's the clubs, it's the, the industry, it's the madness that surrounds modern football that says, we need to pay him this much to keep him. So... Don't everyone get up in arms about about Kylian Mbappe. Yes, it's ridiculous amounts of money. It's not all his fault. I prefer to talk about the football and what better person to talk tactics to than a Frenchman in general, because they love to break it all down to to minute details. So, Jeremy, this season, how have you seen this Paris Saint-Germain? We had a bit of a chat about it last time. We saw that Mbappe is still there. Neymar has been brilliant so far this campaign. Fabian Ruiz is starting to look the goods after a slow start. We saw Vitinha was very nice as well. Renato Sanchez has just returned again to the starting 11, and perhaps the jury's still out on him, a little bit like Carlos Soler at the moment. Pablo Sarabia is back. Christophe Galtier has switched back to 4-3-3 after his initial... uh, Work? Do you think that's just due to the absence of central defenders or is that uh, something more? But anyway, I've given you more to unpack once again, Jeremy. Let's hear about the tactical analysis of, of PSG. What do you make of it so far?
4: Uh, I think we're, we're coming out of, I guess, the round of observation of what Galtier has tried to do with Paris Saint-Germain. And I think that 3-5-2 was there to, to, to give room to Sergio Ramos, basically, to be able to express himself. Because if you put him on a 4-3-3 four, four, three, three, or 4-4-2, four, four, you're probably exposing him at his age, uh, and and without him, then it makes sense to go back to uh, a four-line defense. As far as how it's gone, it, it's gone very really well. I think I think the World Cup being in the middle of the season is really um, a factor that's going to impact Paris Saint-Germain. I mean, Neymar and Messi need to be in absolute form to be to be able to shine at that World Cup. It's Messi's last. Who knows if Neymar is going to play another one after that. Um, so that's always my, my little concern with Paris Saint-Germain, you know, what is going to be the emotional and psychological damage that the World Cup is going to do on those two uh, world-class players. As far as the rest of the team, I think it, it was built almost perfectly. Of course, you've said it in the podcast before, um, another defender wouldn't have gone astray. Um, it's it's hard to see those two wing-backs playing full-backs. Uh, but I like the way Galce plays. I, I said that in, in one of my episodes as well. I think Galce is doing what Galce does, uh, and we've seen against Marseille, he's playing the same way he was running Lille or Saint-Étienne or, or Nice, in my opinion. it's He's making sure that defensively they are solid, and it doesn't matter if it's only 1-0 or 2-1. He's happy to let the other team have the ball, and he's happy to use the strength he has up front, and he's got strengths at plenty to, to try and punish them. And I think adapting this mentality to to the French national um, competition is actually going to be benefiting him when it comes to the game that matter at the end of the season when he's going to play the bayerns and the man city and the real madrid because against those teams he might not have a choice than to be strong defensively and explode uh, in counter attack and who who's better than mbappe when it comes to counter attack and you're going to have to count on him when he comes to that so i think i think they've played brilliantly i think the the very first round of game was absolutely amazing from neymar and and we're seeing messi going back to his to the level where he's supposed to be it's almost it's almost good for Paris Saint-Germain that Mbappé wasn't informed to start with because he'll definitely hit his stride uh, eventually. And we haven't yet seen Niki We haven't seen Carlos Soler, who's brilliant for Valence. And when we see him, we see that he's happy to play just, you know, one touch, two touch, not not keeping the ball because they understand that Messi is the guy who needs to get the ball. And then he will give the ball to the player who's at the right place at the right time. So. It's it's doing well. I think Galce knows what he's doing, and everybody knew that. Everybody was very quick to jump on him when they only win 1-0 or they do 0-0 against Rennes. Uh, But it's a long game. The the league right now, the win against Marseille, really put them where they need to be, pushing supposedly who was the contender away. Uh, And now they just need to ride until the World Cup, and and we will expect them when it comes to, to March, April. So this is when they need to be ready as every season I think they've done the work now to be ready. I wouldn't be surprised if a centre back uh, comes comes just after that World Cup, though.
2: JJ, just quickly, the World Cup. Do you think that could have a big impact? We know that Messi is desperate for it. He got the Copper America, and you saw how much that meant to him. And and maybe that also was a factor in a uh, you know emotionally having a, a a rougher comeback from that as well. Brazil, it's always an emotional moment a World Cup for for Brazil. And Paris have. Marquinhos also at the back and he's going to be called upon a lot and of course there's France because France have uh, a difficult international spell at the moment but Mbappe is a big player for them no surprise we're talking about the front three again but is there going to be or are there going to be two or even three unhappy people up front for PSG?
3: I mean, I think that's a, a really interesting uh, observation. And uh, one other thing before before we move on from it completely, I totally agree with you as well about Fabian Ruiz. I know that a lot of PSG fans are starting to whisper it that PSG might finally have found a successor for Thiago Mota. And it is very encouraging. He's a player I've always liked. Uh, I got to see him up close when PSG played Napoli a couple of years ago and to see him slotting into that mi- midfield. I think is hugely important. And I think the way the PSG restructured over the summer in certain positions, notably the midfield, should serve them quite well coming out of the World Cup, regardless of what happens. Obviously, Marco Verratti, so crucial to PSG's midfield, won't be there. So that's sort of an added bonus or some silver lining. But in terms of sort of the impact that the World Cup might have on the likes of Mbappe, Messi, Neymar, I mean, it's really difficult to say at this moment in time. You suspect that it will play some sort of role. I mean, we know that Messi, Neymar came back early uh, ahead of their expected date in the summer for preseason. They've looked really focused and in really good shape ever since then. Um, so, whether is or... that on
2: PSG or is that on the World Cup?
3: Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's the question. It, obviously, <laughs> it was the start of a new era for PSG as well, so it coincided nicely. But does that mean that it's you know almost going to be sort of a, a decompression period after the World Cup? when the players report back for duty with PSG. We'll just have to wait and see. I mean, obviously as well, we're seeing a lot of injuries be picked up. Fingers crossed that there aren't any, uh, you know, really nasty injuries to any League Arm representatives that go to this World Cup, because that's also a risk. But, um, you know, you can't have three or four or five nations winning the World Cup. Only one can win it. So, yeah, I'm sure there's going to be some disappointed players reporting back for duty uh, after the World Cup and for the, uh, the special French edition of Boxing Day that we're all looking forward to.
2: Lyon were away to Montpellier. There were two new coaches on the bench. Well, Laurent Blanc had already had one game in charge, but Romain Pito, the former Montpellier legend, was uh, at the helm. Of Le Payad. They were both looking for their respective debut wins at the helm. Who got it? Let's find out with Matt Spiro.
0: Very comfortable on the ball, Luqueva. The cross comes in now. Lacazette. Lacazette's cut back. Awa's goal. Usum Awa gives Lyon the lead. Taliafico's cross. And this is excellent from Lacazette. It really is. So Usum Awa with his uh, first goal for Leon this season. Goza's cross, headed away by Mendes and uh, cleared by Gusto. Not very well, though. A chance here for Way! Magnificent! Eli Way with yet another overhead kick. It is a strike that he is an absolute master of. Well, Gusto's clearance, not a good one. How about that, though, for balance? The ball is going over his shoulder and he has to hook it back across Anthony Lopez. Wonderful goal from Ellie Waite, and Montpellier a level hit. And now Mavadidi with the skills. Mavadidi roaring up the left, taken down by Diamande. And tempers fraying now. Ellie White, Diamande, Steffi Mavadidi has come steaming in as well. Diamande has been uh, given his marching orders. And Mavadidi has also gone. Kakaray. Finds a pocket of space, picks out Lacazette, Kakare still going, Maxos Kakaray, he's picked out, Alexander Lacazette! Oh, Lacazette, in the dying seconds, gives on the lead! Tokerikombe playing the 1-2 with uh, Kakaray, great perseverance, and that finish superb from Lacazette. It's tough on uh, Montpellier, but look what it means to Olympique Lyonnais, who might be back to winning ways.
2: So, Jeremy, you first. It's early days for Laurent Blanc, but there are positive signs. Then the team in both matches fighting to the end. Thiago Mendes back in midfield. Lacazette scoring goals. I mean, all of this is this is ticking boxes. If you're a Lyon fan, isn't it?
4: Yeah, it is. Aouar scoring a goal. I mean, how how good's that? Who? Um, Who? Who's, who's Who? <laughs> Manchester City's target two years ago. Um, the forgotten. He is the forgotten man of French football, isn't he? And, and as soon as you, as soon as Laurent Blanc arrived, there was. Straight away, was we know Ousama was going to get his chance, and it's going to be his for the taking. Jeff, Jeff Adelaide as well, seeing a bit more bit more football. Of course, the, the injury of, of Coran Dentoli, is why Tago Mendes comes back into the midfield. But Lacazette is smiling, and, and we knew that him coming back was to score goals and was to lead the team, so it's good to see him playing that way. And Laurent Blanc bringing that defensive, um, I guess, tempting density, and he's trusting the, the player that should be there. I think there's still a bit of, of casualness in that Lyon defence. We see it in that beautiful game. A beautiful goal, excuse me, by Elie but the, the defence is a bit casual on it. But other than that, they are playing better. They should have been up 2 or 3-0 early on, and instead they really um, flirted with that uh, almost near loss um, b- before they finally scored the goal. So there's still obviously a bit of fragility. It's still being building, but we can see some very positive from, from Laurent Blanc and from the team at Lyon, really pushing to be where they're supposed to be. JJ, Jeremy mentioned it, Elie goal. It was
2: a brilliant goal, almost almost impossible to hit as well as he did. It was a, a bicycle kick, but almost a reverse 720 bicycle kick because it was coming over the wrong shoulder. He hit it with the wrong foot and it was still perfect connection. How good is this kid? He's a He's a France youth international. He's been on the scene at Montpellier for about two and a half years now and has scored some spectacular goals. And and he has that that thing, which I think is so impressive, which is that instinct. He knows where the back of the net is.
3: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think Montpellier themselves are a really interesting team when you look at the makeup of of that group, because there's some very very talented young players there uh arguably need a bit more consistency uh you know obviously uh del olio uh, has sort of paid for that inconsistency with his job we'll see how pito does um over the next couple of weeks because i believe he's going to be in place up until at least the world cup break but El- Elie Wahi, He's certainly somebody who clubs have been looking at now for sort of the best part of the last twelve to eighteen months. I mean, when you sort of burst onto the scene with that much raw talent, it's some of the goals that he scored—because it's not just this one—we've seen him score, you know, a, a handful of really, really impressive technically, uh, you know, and sort of acrobatic finishes as well. So, I'm not entirely surprised when he pulls this this kind of trick out of the bag, and I just think that like most of his or many of his talented young Montpellier teammates it's just about finding that consistency um but he's certainly a player who I think now is being watched by a number of clubs uh, across Europe you know I've I've spoken to quite a few people who have mentioned Wahi to me in the past so I think he's somebody who's definitely attracting a, a bit of attention but another phenomenal goal to add to his repertoire I just think that and perhaps, um, you know, Montpellier would maybe trade some of those eye-catching finishes for, you know, actual points in the bag. Because unfortunately, it didn't count for anything in terms of the points all this time.
2: And they wouldn't be Montpellier, JJ. Then we'd have <laughs> to call them something else because that, that's Montpellier's swashbuckling, you know, all or nothing style. They they they're, They really are. And I said this last year, they were playing when they played Brest, it's Brest the Pirates, but it's really Montpellier who are the Pirates of, of Ligue 1. They're, they're a superb side that that things like consistency are just a foreign foreign word. They just don't <laughs> understand it. And I think it's great. Also, there were two more red cards because, of course, it wouldn't be a Ligue 1 round without, without the referees jumping in there with a couple of red cards. So Steph Mavadidi, the Englishman, um, sent off as well for a, a reaction. I think it was against Diamande who who'd brought him down. They were coming from everywhere. Eli Way was actually involved in that, so showing a good bit of pirate instinct from, from the young striker as well. Now, on Saturday evening, Lance weathered an early storm. Jeremy, we're getting to you now for the, for the big moment. An early storm at the Stade Velodrome. They recorded back-to-back wins after the Derby loss to Lille now. It was a deflected strike in the 78th minute from Da Costa. That was all that separated the two sides. It's a result that's seen them climb back up to second after that little blip against Lille. Perhaps more importantly, though, it's a third straight loss for Olympique de Marseille. They've dropped out of the top four. They're fifth now. They're nine points behind PSG, four points behind Lens and Lorient. Jeremy, I know you said they're still playing good football and that this is the important thing after, you know, so many years of. Of flattering to deceive with someone like Sampaoli with bielsa, you know the all the stylish Marseille you know hipster coaches you could you could bring in oh, I mean we could go back further to you know Eric Garretts and these guys that that Marseille fans just loved but ultimately couldn't deliver the people that have delivered are Didier Deschamps obviously for Marseille, but can Igor Tudor with that that Croatian fire but that Italian Professionalism just built in all around him. Can he be the man to bring back some glory to Marseille?
4: I think he's doing what it takes to get there, and and the results are are disappointing. I mean, it's um it's three times now in three years that Lance comes and wins at the velodrome, um, so that they're getting comfortable les saint aor uh, down in the south. Uh, but it's also last year it was it was rightfully pointed out that Marseille lost twenty five points at home, uh, and now after a four straight win to start, it's uh, it's only one point taken from nine possible in the last three games after losing to, to Ajaccio and, and drawing against Rennes. So it's definitely a bit of a concern. I mean, last time we won at home, uh, last time Marseille won at home, sorry. Oh uh, was... no, no, you said it, you said it. <laughs> and it's good. I'm, I'm I like it. There. <laughs> um, last time Marseille won at home, there was no fans uh, against Sporting. And so there is that, uh, there's always that story every year that maybe it's harder to play with 60,000 people pushing behind you than without their pressure. But when you look at how they play, you um, Somehow, they're, they're doing the right thing. There's a lot of positive aggressivity intensity. We can see Tudor really leading them. You just have to score. Uh, if you don't score, you can't win games. And you put yourself in, in such a a fragile stance if you just can't score when you go up front. You know, um, Amin Areth is so good when he comes into games. Uh, when he starts games, he's, he arrives at the 60th minute and he starts, I guess, lacking a little bit of, of energy, of... Umph, and then you get in Payet, who doesn't have it this year. Hopefully, he'll come back after the, the Walker break. Um, you bring in Bamba Jang who unfortunately missed his first two controls. um Tenji Zunder, who doesn't seem in great form. So it looks like at the beginning of the season, Tudor was doing all this rotation and then kind of find the starting 11 that can work well and moved away from the rotation. But the subs aren't doing the job when they're coming in. So it's going to have a, a bit of work to do. But when they play well, that first half against Lance, I mean... If they score a couple of goals, which would have been deserved with the amount of opportunity, the the pressing is great, the intensity is good. Um, You know, the the risk taken by every single player on the field in the anticipation um, is the right thing. It's It's almost, you know, maybe that Croatian flair coming in, it's almost street football. It's either the ball or the player will go, but not both of them. There's a lot of foul, but it's fouls that are done at the right side of the pitch most of the time. Uh, and then, you know, when you don't score, you're, yeah, you're explaining yourself to a lack of luck. It's two or three times now that Balergy, uh is either scoring a own goal or defecting a ball into his own um, post. So it's a bit hard for him. Paulo Lopez, I think, is having an, an OK season again. We've seen him nullifying Mbappé a couple of times last week. It's, it's complicated if you can't score. Every team is going to be the same. Uh, and Marseille either need to make sure that they put those on at the back of the net or need to find somebody who can do it in the, in the Mercato uh, in winter. Well, it's an interesting point
2: about if you can't score, you don't win matches. JJ, five of Lens' last six results have all been 1-0. They've won four of them, lost one of them, all 1-0. And there was another scoreless draw in there as well. So scoring goals is a little bit of a problem for Lens, but they're not conceding them. That's the, that's the difference. So does it really
3: matter? I don't think it matters at this moment in time. I mean, I think you look at the situation in lens have they've lost a couple of important players to injury in recent weeks. Really, really unfortunate to see what happened to, to Jimmy Cabot. I was so impressed seeing him uh, when Lens beat uh, Lyon at home a couple of weeks ago. Um, but you know, I think uh, Franquez, um, you know, he he gets the maximum out of the group of players available to him, and I think that's really to his credit. And I think because of the consistency that Lance play with, sometimes they they merit that stroke of luck. I mean, as Jeremy said, you know, they really probably should have been down at least one nil by half time at uh, at Stade Velodrome. But uh, you know, they they took their they took their opportunities. I think it's a real game changer for them. The fact that Seco Fofano is starting to find a bit of form now. Obviously, started the season very well, dropped off a little bit just after the contract extension, and he had that injury as well. So to see him coming back now is is a really big boost for them. But yeah, I mean, I think when you look at that attacking lineup for Lance, uh, you know, Openda is uh is full of energy, but in terms of sort of the actual finished product, he's not gonna put the ball in the back of the net too often. Them. But, you know, Lance, as long as they keep those points coming in, uh, you know, and keep themselves in contention, uh, you know, for European qualification, they'll be looking to sort of put the memories of agonizing the falling short last season, uh, you know, behind them because at the moment they're getting the points, uh, you know, that they, that they need to take uh, and then some more.
2: Well, they are sitting second, equal second, if you like. They're just ahead of Lorient on goal difference. In other results then. Over the weekend, Lovro meyer signed a new deal at Rennes and netted the winner from the penalty spot against Angers, Lescaut, the home side. Perhaps feeling a little hard done by. They battled very hard, but that's now four losses in a row for them. And they drop to 20th place in a season where four will go down. It's not looking good for them so far. Brest were doing the business away to Clermont in a big turn up for the form book the Breton side picking themselves off the bottom with a second win of the campaign Franck Honorat on the score sheet but it was Roman Del Castillo who also scored the opener from the penalty spot who who stole the show for me channeling Luka Modric with that outside of the boot cross for Jeremy Le Leduron to clinch all three points it was a uh, it was a beautiful moment i've got a quick quiz for you both now because this is a name that's been popping up in Ligue 1 for the last fifteen years. Name Franck Honorat's former clubs. There are five of them in total. You can go one, one each until we until we run out. But this is a real one for Ligue 1 geeks award of the of the month. If you if you can do it, no cheating, JJ. Keep your hands where I can see them. Okay, JJ first. sunsetian Jeremy. Clermont. Yes, yeah, scored against his former club. JJ. Uh, was that a little Nice spell that they what that's where he started actually? Very good, that's why he went to Saint Etienne. I think it was Claude Puel that uh picked him up and said, We I, I like him, he had him from Nice. So, this this leaves just one more, which will be tough because it was a lone spell, Jeremy. Mm, I
4: won't have it, I had Nice, but I won't have the, the yeah. last one, I think.
2: It was a season at Sochaux in Ligue 2. So there you go. Just before, in between, uh, it would have been in between Nice and Clermont, I think, that he had that before before Saint-Étienne. So, moving on. JJ, you win Ligue 1 Geek of the Month <laughs> award. Congratulations.
4: <laughs> Thanks,
2: L'Orient. Guys. L'Orient handed two goals to Troyes. It was an own goal, and as good as an own goal, with a, a terrible defensive blunder, but they still came from behind twice to draw 2-2 and they could even have won it at the end when Django Watara hit the post late on and still they play great football. Ren youth product Stefan Diara with his first ever league goal. If it wasn't for Eli Wai, it probably would have been goal of the week. Jeremy, your take on Lorient. We've heard a lot about them. We've talked a lot about them over over recent weeks. But and, and I'm I'm trying to be measured here, but is this the single biggest surprise in Ligue 1 this century. Because I can't think of another season, apart from maybe Montpellier, who were promoted in 2009, who finished third, I think, in their in their first season back. Maybe it wasn't 2009. I'm getting old. But this is 12 matches in. This is basically a third of the way through the season. And Lorient, who avoided the drop last year and would have been on everyone's, you know, outside favourites for going down this year, they're equal second. I mean, it is, it is a huge surprise.
4: Yeah, and it's, and it's formidable because it rewards, um, I guess, jobs done the right way. Um, Lebris has been in the club for a while. He knows the players, how, how easy it is to promote young players when you've been following them for the past five, six years as the head of the, the academy. Uh, so it's great. It's probably one of the, the best stories that we've seen. I mean, usually, you know, when, when Clermont or Angers in the past couple of seasons have had a run of wins, five, five games, since games down the line, it was over. Uh, but it keeps happening and, and they play well. And you can see that they all know each other and and that the added pieces and Vogo in, in goal uh, mainly are adding the experience that maybe Lorient was missing last year and maybe that reassurance in defense that it's OK, we can, we can defend and there's going to be people to actually stop the goals because it was definitely an issue in the past couple of seasons for Lorient. And when this happened, I mean they lost Armand L'Oriente, which was supposedly their most creative and most lethal player. We remember his free kicks from last season, uh, and he's doing well at Sassuolo. Um, but they've they've just unleashed Watara, unleashed uh Terrain Mofi, who's unfortunately injured right now. Stefan Jara is really the kind of player that I like, small pocket winger, uh, very um, you know, happy to dribble, happy to go and and um Really provoke, but also um, selfless enough to to try and and find the assist instead of the goal. And proof is, it's only his first goal in uh, in in Liga this weekend. It's a team that you know, I guess, is surprising, but also shows that you know Enzo Lefè has been given time to actually grow. Uh, players like Abergel and Laporte in defense have been given time to develop and to really settle down in Liga. Uh, so it just looks like a reward that's deserved in in the perfect world where. Uh, teams do the right thing to get the right um, result. And, and all kudos, of course, to to Lebris, who is on a uh, league bench for the first time and who's meeting immediate success.
2: I think that sums it up pretty well. Stade de Reims got their first win under caretaker coach Will Still, the championship manager alumni, who uh, Matt Spiro remarkably said, it's not easy to take Macclesfield Town to the Champions League three years in a row, which uh, he may or may not have done. But they were adding more woe on Auxerre, 2-1, amazingly, stat of the week. These two sides, both former champions of the French top flight, meeting for the first ever time in Ligue 1. So how about that? Toulouse blew a two-goal lead as Strasbourg came away from uh, the remarkably named Le Stadium with a 2-2 draw. Special moment for Lebo Motiba, the South Africa international, his first goal in Ligue 1 since 2019. And uh, I interviewed him before the season a couple of years ago for the LFP. And you, it couldn't happen to a nicer guy, really. In Nice, the home side salvaged a point from the penalty spot at the death. Ignatius Ganego had given Nantes uh, the lead, the Canaries against the Eagles. Before controversy, Jean-Charles Castelletto penalized for handling the ball. Um, he claims he was pushed by Dante. Pep scored or Pepe scored in the 96th minute. And uh, there were red cards flying everywhere late on. JJ, it wasn't pretty, but that's now three without loss for Nice. They're up to 12th on the table, having been looking you know, like a, one of those seasons for a good club. We saw them last year with two big clubs, Saint-Étienne and Bordeaux, where things just start unraveling and you can't stop it. You can't stop the rot. Have they managed to do that? Do you think they and their glut of ex-EPL stars have uh, managed to turn the corner?
3: i mean i think it's uh it's a bit early to say definitively that they have turned the corner but obviously things are looking uh you know a lot better now than they were a few weeks ago um you know i think that they have um you know become a bit harder to beat which you know is an important first step to take before you know actually sort of putting proper points on the board and moving back up the standings uh i think that you know Favre, um has definitely given himself uh you know a, a sort of chance uh to make this second spell with nice work which is important. I'm curious to see sort of what happens when Gisofi starts to get at his feet under the table uh, at Alianz Riviera, who he deems sort of necessary to, to push this project on, which potential, you know, new players he might like to add to the mix. But, uh, you know, I definitely think, uh, you know, there was a feeling that this knee side were really badly underperforming at the beginning of the season. So, you know, starting to to turn the tide in the in the right way, and but obviously really painful for for Nant that one to to lose the points so late on. Uh, you know, I, I really felt for Comboire in recent weeks because we know we knew sort of it was such it was such a massive achievement to win the Coupe de France uh, last season, but we also knew how complicated it would make this campaign for Nantes to go into Europe. And we've seen that. So for them to have those points snatched away at the death. Yeah, that was uh, that, that was pretty, uh, pretty tough to watch. And you could understand this, the sort of explosion of frustration from the, from the Nantes players. But I do think that Nice going back to to the original points are Better than they've shown so far this season, so I do expect them to to sort of start to pick up. And just like I said, I'm curious to know what changes might be made uh, during the break for the World Cup because obviously it's a new sporting project that's now starting to come together. Uh, so perhaps there will be some significant changes to come uh, on the Riviera.
2: Well, we have been saying it's a new sporting project for three years now since Ineos uh, came in, and even before that there was a change of ownership. I mean, it's been a a club that's been threatening. Back in the 1970s, there was a lot of money injected into them. They were called the Millionaires. And uh, they went close to winning Ligue 1 for the first time since the 1950s. But it, it didn't happen. And the Millionaires from the, the Côte d'Azur are hoping to uh, turn it around again these days. It's time for our Deja Vu quiz of the week. Um, there have been some easier ones in this month of October, I think, for, for you to try and win a League 1 shirt. We've given away two already this campaign. This is the last question for October because I want to have three questions up uh, in the November edition. We've only got two pods in November, so we'll be using the last of October for next month. So this is the last one to go with the, the previous three. If you know the answer, you have to email us at league1podcast at gmail.com with the answer of who am I plus the bonus question. It's an easy bonus question, I think, uh, this week. And I'm, I will be uh, expecting you two to get this off the bat right here and now without saying it, just nod or, t- or tell me, but I think you should. So here we go. Déjà vu. My playing career spanned fully 20 years, and it ended where it began after over 600 first-team appearances in Ligue 1, Ligue 2. And overseas. Despite being from the South, Jeremy, and playing for all the biggest Southern clubs, I'm best remembered and best loved for my time further north. A European winner for both club and country, I won the Ligue 1 Championship once, as well as two Coupes de France with two different clubs and one Coupe de la Ligue. I carried my nickname, Le Petit Prince the little prince everywhere I went. Who am I and what do I have in common with the three previous October Deja Hoos? So there we go. I don't think that's uh, too difficult, particularly for you two who have lived, uh, lived and grown in France for so long. This is quite a prominent uh, character of the French football landscape. And he has an amazing story as, uh, as well. So I'm assuming you've both got it. Do you agree? Is this, is
3: this true?
4: I think so. I hope so. <laughs> yeah, I have, a, I,
3: I have an inkling, although I need to, I need to tally the, the last bit with the other Deja. You need to mind. go back
2: and check. So if you think you know your answer, I say again, send in the email, league1podcast at gmail.com. We've already had a number of correct answers so far this month. The winner will be announced on next week's show. So nine matches down. Our final match of the weekend the final match of the round was an absolute cracker between Lille and Monaco at the Stade pierre Mauroy, and our very own Andy Scott was there calling all the action.
1: Alexander Noble, the on loan Bayern Munich man in goal for Monaco. Keeping a close eye on this. Free kick flighted into a really dangerous area and Lille take the lead. The header from close range, buried by Alexandro, who marks his return to the starting lineup with a goal this evening. Just got in between the two Monaco centre-backs and he couldn't really miss that and he gets his first league on goal. Well, kahn uh, dead ball deliveries have been the source of plenty of goals in recent times for Monaco, fires this in himself and it's gone right through Lucas Chevalier, it's a disaster for the young Lille goalkeeper and Monaco are back on level terms. Well he has become a cult hero in the space of a few weeks with the Lille fans, he was certainly the hero in the derby here against Lens recently with a big penalty save in that game but that is uh, something that he will not want to see again. Good chance, maybe this time it's going to run in, turned in by Remy Cabella. Just to make sure of it. After some fabulous play by that man, Jonathan David. And uh, a terrific response from Lille to being pegged back here. Corner swung in by Kai Henrique, Ben Yedder at the back post, and it's in! It's Axel Dizassi who scores it. Maybe partly culpable at Lille's second goal, but he has brought Monaco back on level terms again just before half time here. A little bit of a soft goal again for Lille to concede. A home defence missing the suspended José Font tonight. So with Jallo, he's got himself into big trouble. We sampe It's a gift for a player of Benyader's quality. And Monaco take the lead for the first time in this game. An absolute gift from Thiago Jallo. It's uh, just a fifth league goal of the season for Wissam Peñedere, the Monaco captain who's lost his place in the France squad of late, desperate to work his way back into the reckoning going into the World Cup. More than two-thirds of the way through this game as Neil looked to draw level again. Cabela, he's done it! Great running and a great finish for Remy Cabela, second goal of the game and we are all square once more. Jonathan David playing his part once again with a touch-on for Capella. Montezo with the foot in there, scrappy in midfield, but Leal come forward now with Angel Gomez. Jonathan David making the run ahead of him, Bamba bursting into the box, Jonathan Bamba, he's made it 4-3. <laughs> Terrific play again from Leal. superb running into the penalty box, and another emphatic finish this time from Jonathan Bamba. I said earlier that he has been criticised often in his years at Lille for not scoring enough goals, but that could be a really big one tonight for Lille. The goals just keep on coming tonight.
2: Jeremy, Lille scored just about five of the seven goals in this one. They gave Monaco a helping hand, but there was great quality going forward. I mean, this was a a good old-fashioned heavyweight, gloves off, swinging, Forget about the back line. We're going to score more goals than the opponents, wasn't it?
4: Yeah, talk about end-to-end stuff. Or five, I would give six goals to, to Lille, uh, Ooh, even okay. with that, <laughs> that jalo assist. Um, I, I think, you know, Lil offensively have just, are just been amazing Again, under Fonseca. We know how great Remy Cabela can be when he's hitting form. We know how great Adam Munas can be. If Jonathan David is in form, it's 7 or 8-3 Um, this morning in, in Australia, last night in France. Uh, it's it's really been good to see Lille hitting the stride that we expect them to be. I think Monaco, if they're not being given the goals, uh, I don't know if they can actually really come back and threaten um, Lille because they look like they're missing that creativity, that last pass. There's definitely a bit of a um, an issue between the midfield and the attack, I think, in Monaco, regardless of how great Mbolo and, and Benyede have been, mainly that right wing. I think they still haven't really found who's, who's the guy who's going to uh, to be in that right wing. It was kepenjata this morning. Uh, but it was it was such a great game of football to uh, to again wake up to uh, and, and to enjoy to to finish the weekend. I, I really expect Lille to be you know fighting it for the Champions League at the end of the season because they've shown how good they can be. And again, we haven't seen Jonathan David scoring every single opportunity that he has, uh, and we haven't seen yet um, all, all the class that Gomez can bring to this team. I mean. The few players that Which have one? brought there are the the other one, <laughs> um, not Angel, the other one. He'll get back to me. Um, you know, Ismaili has been such a great uh, addition as left back as well. Very underrated, uh, but very, very prolific and smart. Obviously, he's, he's got his age uh, and he's got both the the technique and the, I guess, the device that come with being over 30 years old and having played in Shaktar for a while. Um, but yeah, I think there's a lot of positive in that little team. There was no fronte this morning, so maybe I expect. That explains a bit of the issues defensively. Uh, but I was I was pleasantly surprised since the beginning of the season and again uh, this morning. Uh, Monaco, I think it's a flattering result that it's only 4-3 because I'm a bit more worried about what Philippe Teman does uh, on Le Rocher.
2: JJ, bounce, bounce off that one for us because I think Lille have been something of quiet achievers. I think their story, given that they were literally on the verge of bankruptcy, I mean, more or less three years ago, two years ago even, Olivier Letong trying to, to sell off players, to bring players in. They lost certain elements. Fonseca is doing, doing a fantastic job.
3: He is, uh, you know, and I think as well, he inherited um, a relatively decent squad. But sort of what they've done over the summer, um, I really like Jeremy's point about how there's so much experience now in this deal side. I think that sets them up to be performing consistently uh, at this point this moment in time. And we always knew that, uh, you know, if Remy Cabela could rediscover his form of old, uh, you know, that could help to transform this little side. Obviously it helps with Jonathan David, uh, you know, finding his scoring boots again, obviously went through that drought last season, uh, which arguably sort of cost him, uh, you know, maybe a move away from Lille. I'm curious to see how the project pushes on once they do make that next big sale, because you're right, Robbie, you know, obviously it's, it's still quite a precarious financial situation. Uh, obviously the, the deal with the, the commercial subsidiary will help clubs like Lille who have, you know, really suffered in the last couple of years financially. But, uh, you know, it, it does feel like at some point there will probably be one, at least one more big name, big money sale. Logically, it'll it'll be David, and if it's Fonseca who's sort of overseeing the the next phase of this uh, th- this rebuilding job at Lille, uh, you know, I think that they are in very good hands. Uh, I do fancy them for for Champions League qualification at this moment in time, given the the way that they're performing. Uh, I just think, obviously, based on what we saw last season, they could almost do with uh you know either all of their attacking players you know remaining consistent in front of goal or uh you know perhaps adding uh you know perhaps one extra body in attack uh, you know obviously they lost Yilmaz who his goals were absolutely vital when they won the league title a couple of years ago but also at the same time once those goals dried up it kind of left a lot of pressure falling on uh, on David and now I think Tim Weyer's return to form you know, timely, just ahead of the World Cup, uh, you know, but it's also a big boost for Lille as well. Uh, I think that will help. And uh, I, yeah, I certainly expect them to, uh, to to push on and really be up there challenging for the Champions League, more so than Monaco based on this performance. Now, the only
2: side to have beaten Lens so far this season, a word on the experienced Jose Font, because it's worth highlighting, 38 years of age, still going strong, by all accounts, the most professional player that that these little youngsters the youngsters that are there have ever played alongside he's a he leads by example he missed his first game in 49 matches 49 matches starting nearly all of them in a row before suspension kept him out uh, out of this one so that and that su- would suggest that he can keep going maybe he's the new the new Vitorino Hilton of uh, of the French top flight well We'll have to see. There's a name. If you don't recognize it, look it up. It wasn't that long ago. He was still he was still playing with Montpellier. And a word on this, how good is the race for Europe all of a sudden? Because I thought Monaco were flying, to be fair, two weeks ago, three weeks ago, before that, that bad week. They'd won, I think, four or five in a row. They were on the charge. Beneta was, was back and scoring goals. All of a sudden, it looks as though uh, they've just lost their way a little bit. But there are six points separating second to seventh at the moment. And I think a lot of them look like contenders and maybe even a reinvigorated Olympic Lyonnais who are back to winning ways. They're only two points further back again, could uh, throw their hat back into the ring. Very quickly, guys, I want us to look ahead to Europe. JJ, PSG did it tough against Benfica. Two matches, two draws, but let's not forget Benfica our quality sometimes we forget because they're not in the sort of big eight, but they were quarter finalists last year, so were in the last eight of Europe in the Champions League. A draw on Tuesday against Maccabi Haifa will be enough to see Paris through to the next round with one game to spare. I can't see I can't see them not getting it. To be fair.
3: Yeah, I, I agree with you. Um, I don't think uh, there's any shame in drawing those games against Benfica. I think Benfica are a very good underrated side. They look even better under Roger Schmidt this season. Uh, but certainly, you know, no uh, disrespect to, to Maccabi Haifa, who made it difficult for PSG in that first match in Israel. Uh, I think that PSG will expect to win this, and I think we expect PSG to win this as well. But like you said, you know, there is kind of that, little insurance policy of PSG knowing that you know if it's only a draw if you know they do have a bit of a hiccup then uh, they'll still book their place in the knockout phase and I fully expect them to do that
2: let's put a smile back on jeremy magon's face marseille two wins in the champions league this campaign who would ever have thought it after after however many years 16 matches one win in 16 and two two campaigns without a win in the Champions League but here they are they can almost really against all attend, against everyone's expectations make it to the next round but do they have to win in frankfurt for you
4: I think they absolutely do um you know you can't leave it to a game against tottenham who might be a must win for them as well uh, to to qualify it's already it's already um yeah amazing that they are still in the race because despite playing well that very first half against tottenham and and doing okay against Frankfurt for, again, the beginning of the game. Um, They do lose two games that they should have tried to get a result for. And then they managed to win twice against Porching. I think against all odds because Porching had won the first two games, of course. Uh, So now they have to go to Germany and they have to take three points if they want to stay um, in Champions League. You know, I think every Marseille fan would tell you that they wouldn't be unhappy if Marseille finished third either because there's probably more chances of getting a good European run in Europa League, you know, you have to be uh, you have to be realistic uh, for a team like Marseille than in Champions League. But, you know, the, the, the money that we will bring to the club to get to Champions League is also something that I'm sure uh, Pablo Longoria is looking at. So it, it looks like they can do it. You have to win against Frankfurt. You can't leave it um, to the last game against Tottenham. Rennes
2: are already qualified in the Europa League. They travel to Fenerbahce, probably to decide top spot in the section. If not want to have any chance, they have to win at home to Karabag. They're currently four points behind them. And then they'll have to go to Olympiacos in the last game and probably need to get a result there as well. That will be tough. Monaco, if they win their last two, they will also go through. But that's not as easy as it sounds either. They take on group leaders, Ferenc Varos, this Thursday and then play Red Star Belgrade, who are currently bottom of that group. JJ, in a word, Renner through. Can Nantes and Monaco join them? I'd love for uh, Nantes. Word. <laughs> Hopefully. <laughs> Very good. No, go. Why?
3: <laughs> no, I mean I'm I'm really I'm frustrated by the Nantes situation because it's such a great uh thing for French football to have such a historic club like Nantes back on the European scene but we all knew that that would make this season really really complicated for the likes of Comboria and what's quite a thin squad uh you know stretched over domestic and european competition i hope they can salvage something from it um but i expect uh you know monaco to to deliver better uh on the on the european stage they took a quite a heavy beating recently uh you know and i really really hope that they can salvage something from this uh european campaign because at the end of the day they're one of France's leading lights. So you know, I think it, it's a really important uh, week of fixtures for for Ligue 1 in Europe.
2: Jeremy aside, that want to become or at least into the conversation of France's leading lights are Nice. We had a, the the word about that project and the expectation around it. They're currently second in a very tight Europa Conference Group. They entertain Partizan, and then they travel to Cologne. Now that won't be one for the faint-hearted. After what happened in the first leg between those two sides. I thought they were unlucky against Slovacko in um in the last game where a tough red card really turned they conceded two goals in the last in the last
4: 2 minutes but can can Nice battle their way out of that group. I mean you expect them to, right? They they are supposed to it's it's only the Conference League. They are supposed to make it through They're one of the teams that you would almost have expected at the beginning of the season to be at least in the in the quarter of that competition. Um is going to be a hard game away again given what happened in Nice. Uh but yeah, you would expect the 3 points this week and then hopefully a, a draw might be enough when they when they go to Germany. Um they need to go through if they want to to look serious about their project, they need to to go through these
2: these groups. Big week of European football coming up. Let's have a look at the league ladder in League 1 before we go. So it's PSG still undefeated. They've drawn twice. They've won 10, 32 points. They're five points clear of Lens and Lorient. We have a new fourth place side, Rennes, who are on the charge. I think that's eight undefeated now in Ligue 1. For them, six wins in that time. They are three points behind Lens and Lorient. Marseille now dropped to fifth, a point behind. Lille are on the charge. They're a further point behind Marseille. Then come Monaco. So that's Rennes 24, Marseille 23, Lille 22, Monaco 21. Four points down to Olympic Lyonnais in eighth place. Level with Clermont, still uh, surprising despite that defeat. Toulouse are there as well. Troyes, Nice, Montpellier, uh, who continue to be uh, the inconsistent Montpellier that we love. Their level on points with Reims in 14th place. Then Nantes, who are uh, just two points above the drop zone. Strasbourg, have shown signs of life, as we suspected. They might, but they're still down in 16th. The bottom five are covered by one point. It's Angers and Ajaccio in 19th and 20th with eight points. Above them, Auxerre, Brest and Strasbourg on nine points. And even the likes of Montpellier, Reims, Nantes, Strasbourg ahead of them, they are not clear. And certainly with that black hole ready to suck in anything, into its uh, orbit once we turn into the new year it's uh looking as much as ever tight for European places and tight at the bottom gentlemen before I let you go I want to know where you'd like to go this weekend what games you'd like to see and why embellish it make it uh, attractive to all of us we've got Friday night lost to lose which uh, has a certain attraction to it PSG take on Troyes on Saturday before Strasbourg against Marseille. That, too, has a, a nice ring to it. Auxerre, Ajaccio, Brest, Reims, Monaco, Angers, Nantes, Clermont, Rennes, Montpellier, Lorient versus Nice. And then the final match of the round, a great, a giant clash from the noughties, if you remember, when Olympic Lyonnais were often first and Lille were, were there or thereabouts, and like to consider themselves giant killers, I think, back then. It's Lyon versus Lille in the final match of the round. Jeremy, on on debut, you can go first. Where would you like to go? Um,
4: I'll go to Lyon, and you know, I know that I'll watch Marseille somewhere, but I'll go to Lyon, the, the former Battle of the Sedou, right? Um, because Lyon yeah. is in the, the middle of a, a very interesting um series. It's Lille this week. It's Marseille afterwards. And then it's uh, Nice, I think, just before uh, the break. So I'll be interesting to see what Laurent Blanc does and and how he evolves. And of course, we've mentioned how great Lille has been. They're not going to go to um, to the OL Groupama to to just let Lyon play their football game. So I think it's going to be a, a very entertaining game, as we've seen all every Sunday night for for the beginning of the season in Liga. So this is where you, you'll find me at the OL Groupama. Aj,
2: for your bon
3: voyage, where are you headed? Well, I will be at PSG 3, but I'm not going to be putting that forward as the game to go to. I think I would head to Brittany and I'd either be going to Rennes or Lorient. I think I have a bit of a preference for Rennes. I know we've spoken a lot about Montpellier today, uh, but I think, you know, Rennes' form at this moment in time, okay, ground out the result with that late penalty over the weekend. But, you know, they just seem to really be coming into form now. I expected them to to really push uh, for Champions League qualification. Uh, this season. And I'm happy to see that uh, Bruno Genesio and his players are really starting to find form now. I think they're one of the real teams to watch at this moment in time. So I think, uh, you know, this one has the makings, especially given Montpellier's inconsistency. If you get them on a really good day, that one could be quite a high-scoring affair too.
2: I will be getting up to watch PSG versus 12, because I remember uh, the famous 9-0 victory that... uh, came after a, a, a fairly bitter Champions League elimination, if uh, memory serves me correctly. And it, it basically secured the league title for Paris Saint-Germain. It was away in trois. And it was uh, a spectacular performance for Laurent Blanc's Paris Saint-Germain that went on to record 96 points that season, the highest ever league 1 tally. But most importantly, I remember... And I'm not sure if people, if this was common knowledge. I think it, I think it was reported at the time. Gregory Veel, the Dutch uh, fullback at Paris Saint Germain, actually left the match at half time and got in a, a car with his driver and drove back to Paris because he'd received such a, a hairdryer treatment from Zlatan Ibrahimovic. Paris were already leading four or five nil, I think it was, but Zlatan wasn't happy with the service he was getting. Paris Saint Germain were were twenty points clear at the top of the table, leading a match five nil away that was going to win them the title. And Zlatan wanted more. And uh it was all too much for poor old Greg Vanderville who who just opted out um and who brought the uh curtain down on his career this just this year or just late last year, I think. Uh Greg Vanderville after a, a disappointing time in North America, but a a lovely guy, the Dutchman, and uh yeah, funny, funny story. There were always plenty of stories to come out of PSG. And I guess, having seen at the moment what's going on, nothing has really changed. That's it for us today, gentlemen. Thank you very much for joining me. Jerry, uh, Jeremy, I hope you enjoyed your uh, your first step on the, on Le Bourgeois and that you'll be back for more.
4: Thank you. I had a lot of fun and looking forward to uh, going back.
3: Excellent. JJ, busy week for you, I see. Indeed, so I'll be off uh, stateside and talking Champions League <clears throat> with uh, with the guys at CBS. But it's been a pleasure starting off my week the right way, uh, t- chatting about some French football with you guys, Jeremy. Fantastic to to meet you uh, via this uh, via this podcast as well.
2: Fantastic, gentlemen. Thank you very much. We'll be back, Ian Holyman, in the hot seat in a week's time to host Le Bourgeois, and we'll speak to you all then. Enjoy your European football. Bye bye. Neymar still. Oh
1: my word! What a goal! Oh, yes, delivery again. Doosie's header. Here's an opportunity, Sanchez. Outrageous goal from Gael Kakuta. It's again. And Goldberg. Messi again. This time maybe Messi's done it.